Father, we just want to thank you once again for this morning. Lord, you are a good God. Father, we are always overwhelmed, oh Lord, when we come into your presence. And we sit at your feet and we listen to your word. It's a constant reiteration of how much you love us. Even if it is a word of rebuke, oh Lord, it is because you love us. And because you received us as your sons. Oh Father, behold what manner of love. That the Father has bestowed upon us that we, or we Lord, should be called the sons of God. And therefore this morning, even as we hear your word, it is not my word. It is your word. I pray, Father, you will continue to strengthen our faith. And more importantly, O Lord, that you will galvanize us unto obedience that comes from faith. That's what we struggle with. And I pray, Father, this morning you will speak to our hearts, challenge us, exhort us. And Father, refresh us Encourage us and strengthen us in our resolve to follow hard after you, no matter what the circumstances are. To that end, I pray that you would bless and anoint the hearing and the speaking of this morning's word. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. See, one of the most um, um, difficult struggles for all of us at different levels is the fact that we all struggle with one thing is obedience. It's a, we hear, we listen, we enjoy the word, like faith comes by hearing. And uh, the, the struggle always has been, I mean, uh, been uh, in the church for hmm, 14, close 14 years and the pastor for more than that, almost I think 15, 16 years. And through it, through all these years in my journey as a believer and as a full-time minister, one of the things that I've constantly been struggling and battling is with obedience. That is one struggle every believer has to face at different levels. It's not just uh, obedience. At, at, there's obedience at a, at a child level and there's obedience which is required at a young man's level and there's an obedience which is required at the father's level. So one of the major struggles is with obedience. See, um, there are two aspects. The faith aspect is like, if you were there yesterday's meeting, you need to understand, there's a very clarity, this clarity, faith aspect, when we hear the word, it's got to do with our understanding. We understand. This is what the benefits of faith are. But faith is incomplete without obedience. What has to be galvanized into action is our will. That is the, that's the donkey. Hmm. Right? That has to be dealt with. The two aspects, the understanding aspect and the willing aspect. That is the reason why he says, if you are willing and obedient, you will... See, is is it interesting? It doesn't say it's you're obedient and willing. Only when you're willing, are you obedient? That is the reason why Jesus says, it's useless to teach doctrine unto you unless and until you have the willingness to obey. And in fact, if you don't have the willingness to obey, you will actually not understand the intent of the word. See, you will hear the command, but you will not hear his voice. 
You see, the, the Bible says, and if you look at the, uh, the book of Deuteronomy, one of the constant refrains is, if you hear my voice, it's not my command. The commandments are there. The statutes are there. The ordinances are there. There's so many other aspects of the word of God. But I want you to hear my voice. The voice is essentially got to do with a person. Right? So, the, uh, the point therefore is, Jesus says in John's Gospel chapter 7 verse 17, he says, if you will to do the will of God, then you will understand the doctrine. You see, well, see, one of the things that, I mean, I, I've been um, in the engineering field for quite some time. And one of the things that I realized is when I take the, 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 the class from the classroom into the practicals, that is when the whole thing just opens up for me. It's amazing. I mean, I've seen it as a, as a, as a, as a lecturer and uh, as, a, as a supervisor and as a student. I learn a concept in the class and the moment I go into the lab, the lab is a completely a different dimension altogether. It is exciting. It's painful when you get your hands dirty, especially. Okay. Then you know what all the problems are. G is never 9.8. Am I right? <laughs> okay. In fact, if you get G is 9.8, I'll fail you. Fellow, you fellow, you manipulated the exam. <laughs> You understand that all the practical issues come into the, the, the problems, if you will. The moment you start obeying and applying, you understand how much of inertia you have in your system. You're a big truck. Okay. You cannot be easily moved. Everybody continues in its state of rest or of uniform motion unless acted upon by an external force. Newton's first law. And the greater the mass, the greater the inertia. But once you start moving, your momentum is high. No, You see, you need to understand. There is a willingness and then there is obedience. I mean, willingness on obedience. So, so the moment you start saying, Lord, I surrender my will to you. That is the reason why when Jesus came, he says, in the volume of the book that is written about me, I have come to do your will, O God. And therefore, and therefore, and therefore, all of us, all of us, if you want to grow in your Christian walk, if you want to grow in your deliverance, you need to understand one of the things. The obedience part is going to be tough. It is going to be the major struggle with all of us will face at different points and different uh, levels, if you will. But, but the moment you start obeying, then you will truly experience the blessing. There is knowledge and there is experiential knowledge. Okay? So when you go to the theory class, you understand the theory. It's beautiful. You go to the lab. It's a total different ballgame altogether. Most of the lab is a mess. You know that? You come to our lab in uh, IIIT. One start, one one big part is full junk. Things which didn't work. You will come and say, what is this? This is a lab. Yeah, rest in peace. Thank you. <laughs> Most of it didn't work. We tested it, tested it, tested it. On the computer, the simulation said, oh, it is supposed to work. And we go it on to the lab and boy, we encounter 2,500 different problems. But then, when we start looking at it and seeing the thing in motion, you should see the joy on the engineer's face. This is working, man. The theory is coming into practice. What is called experiential knowledge. That is the the reason why the Greek uses two words. Gnosis and epignosis. Gnosis and epignosis. You see, faith works. If faith doesn't work, it's fake. It's not faith. So this morning... 
I want to look at obedience is <laughs> benefits. Okay. But let me tell you one thing. If the natural man default position is disobedient. Okay, look at what it says in Ephesians. Okay, let's just get the preliminaries out of the way first. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 1. Okay, verse 1 onwards. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, according to the course of this world. The world has a course. Okay. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. This is our default setting before. The fallen also the old man. That fellow is disobedient. That that guy has to be put to death every day because he is actually indeed dead. When we were, he was nailed to the cross 2000 years ago and when we start believing it. And then he goes on to say, among whom also we all, so, so, uh, Ephesians, uh, Paul is including himself, he's saying, no, I'm not you all, he says, we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, and look at this very interesting word, in the desires, the word for desire is very interesting in Greek, the word for desire, it's used, this particular word for desire is used for 64 times in the New Covenant Greek, and 62 times is translated as will. 62 times is translated as will. So what were we doing? We were fulfilling the will of the flesh and the will of the mind. So what does it mean? Will of the flesh means what? This is what I feel. Feelings, yesterday we talked about, Pastor was talking about the emotions are feelings and many, many people feel today I felt the presence of God. The feelings people. We are a feelings generation. Oh, you hurt my... What? Feelings. The facts don't care about your feelings. Understand that. So, this is flesh. We are a generation. We feel, right? Your feelings have nothing to do with the truth. Unless and until the feelings are backed up or other. Your truth is backed up by your feelings. Emotions are like Pastor was talking about about yesterday, is our terrible servants, I mean, sorry, terrible masters, but incredible servants. So fulfilling desires of the flesh, of, of the flesh, which is what I feel, and of the mind is what I think. So, old man had two aspects. The sensory world and the thought world. People who think, they think they are better than the people who feel. So they look down upon them. But according to God, both of them are, are the same. In fact, the people are to think are more dangerous because they are the people who give their yeah, thoughts and ideas to other people and enforce disobedience. Understand that? So, so we were all objects of wrath. So our will, we were captive. That's the reason why Second Timothy chapter 3 will say, we've been taken captive by the devil to do his will. What is, what is, what is his will? Your will. How do you, what do you feel? And what do you think? Understand that? So, alright. Thank you, Sammy. So, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love. Thank you. But look at that. Look at that. The, the, the transition is fantastic. But God. In fact, if it were not for his mercy, we would be a feeling, thinking generation going all the way to hell. On our way to hell. So what did he do? He caused us, he gave us new birth. Similar thing in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 onwards. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. 
the great mercy of God. We were sons of disobedience, now we become sons of God. And who are sons of God? They are sons of obedience, like the Son of God, who became obedient unto death, on the, and even the death of the cross. Okay, and therefore he says, casting down all imaginations, until the obedience of Christ is perfected in us. Okay, so if you look at Romans chapter 5, you'll see that the disobedience of Adam brought sin into the world, but the obedience of Christ brought righteousness into our lives. It's obedience of Christ. Okay, so if you are not obedient, I mean that is which, which is our major struggle at different levels, whatever your age, let me tell you, there are older disobedient people, youth who are disobedient, middle-aged people who are disobedient, and young disobedient. We are a disobedient generation, if you like it or not, at different levels. We are a disobedient generation. We do not like to obey father and mother. We think that we are better than them. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 1 verse 5, because if you are saved by faith, by grace, uh, which is which is not your works, there's this, this a saving faith, that faith saves us. Look at what Romans chapter 1 verse 5, in the two translations, I want you to look at two translations, the NKJV and the NIV. Look at what it says. Though through him we have received grace and apostleship, for obedience to the faith. Okay, that's one, that is one rendering. Look at what it says in the NIV, it says, the obedience that comes from faith. So our our um, so uh, uh, our um, yeah uh, our, our 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 reality of our faith is tested in our obedience. The New Living Translation is also very very interesting. Look at what it says: Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell to, to, to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them, so that they will believe and obey Him. You see, very interesting. They will believe him and obey him. It's a good translation. Okay, NLT is a good translation. It's nice for easy reading, and you can read fast if you're if you're uh, wanting to read the Bible through a year through the year. It's very good uh, read. Uh, NLT speeds up your reading process as well. Believe and obey him, and bring glory to his name. It's obedience, and, and and Peter also talks about the same thing. First Peter chapter one verse fourteen and thirteen and fourteen. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As what obedient children? Do you see that? Okay, I'll just put this here so that. You, as what? As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former. Lust, there's a desires of the mind and of the flesh. Remember that? You saw that in the, in the previous verse. The, the ESV puts it beautifully. It says, therefore, preparing your minds for action, girding up the loins for action, uh, loins of the mind, mind is rendered this way, and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Okay. So, obedient children. So I want to look at benefits of obedience. What will obedience do? The more we start obeying, something will happen to us. There is a spiritual transaction that happens when we begin to believe and obey what God wants us to do. We believe, yes, we enjoy the word. Faith comes, but then the faith is only perfected in our obedience. It's made complete. Perfection means what? It's complete. The faith is complete only in our obedience. So this morning... The first benefit I want to look at today is, you can read this with me, it's on the slide. Let's read it together. Obedience brings 
stability, consistency, robustness, and predictability. What words, huh? Okay, let's, let me explain each of those, each of those words. What, I, what do I mean? See, when I say stability, I put a, a colon over here explaining what stability I'm talking about. I'm talking about consistency. I'm talking about robustness and I'm talking about predictability. Let me tell you what, what that means. <clears throat> consistency, you know. I'll, I'll talk about consistency in a while. Robustness means what? When there are uncertainties that come away, your trajectory doesn't change. I'll give you an example. Um, several years back, I think on Arjita's marriage, uh, wedding, uh, wedding day, Arjita's and Roshan's wedding day, Pastor and I, we were traveling to Bhutan the, the very next day. Hmm? You all remember that. No? Okay, everybody's smiling. You remember that day for the wrong reasons. Okay, no problem. So we were flying and uh, we, we, we flew to uh, Kolkata. And from Kolkata, we had to take the flight to Bogdogra. Smooth flight all the way to Kolkata, no issues. From Kolkata to Bagdogra, we had to go through a play, uh, through a turbulence. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of a very windy uh, 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 airspace. Airspace, okay. And then the flight was going, and I, I was dozing off as usual. And when I was dozing off, and suddenly there was a tip, and I just woke up and I said, no, "That was a nice bump." Then I said, "Boss, this is not bus. This is Airbus." Okay, and suddenly everybody, it's actually the turbulence started, you know, moving the plane, and I'm like, oh my goodness, something's, it was really a bad turbulence, okay, it was not, I think there was worse turbulence actually, and in fact the worst turbulence that we, I experienced was when Jason and I were coming back from Colombo to, to, to Chennai, that, that was a heck of a turbulent landing. No, I'll tell you why I'm using the turbulence, you see, turbulence what happens is, uh, if, if you're an airplane engineer, there are several airplanes on engineers over here, you'll understand. There's a particular trajectory that the airplane has to follow. Now, it has to maintain what we call as constant altitude and an attitude. You got attitude means it's uh, pitch your roll, okay? If it rolls off like this and yours off, it go, it's gone, okay? So it has to maintain what we call as constant altitude and constant attitude. Now, problem is when the moment you have a turbulence, it jumps. And if you do not have what we call as robust controllers, which will bring that aeroplane back to its, yeah, to its stable trajectory and to its stable attitude, you know what is going to happen? Your history. Okay. So what is that? Robustness means, now can we predict wind? No. Hmm. Wind goes wherever it goes. Is what, what the Bible says. You cannot control the wind. But what you have to do is you have to control the trajectory of the plane no matter what you are going to face. So, what engineers design is what we call as robust controllers. Controllers which will stabilize the plane or any instrument for that matter no matter what external influences you are experiencing. That is what we call as robustness. Okay, so what does obedience bring about? It brings about consistency, it brings about robustness and third thing, it brings about predictability. What is predictability? Let's, let's, let, let me just get you uh, to understand what predictability is. So, like, you know, in the market you have something called as blue chip companies. What is blue chip companies? Blue chip companies are companies which have weathered the storms of the fluctuating markets. Okay, so they have a history, if you will, if you go back to their history, they have been consistent in terms of their, of, of giving back their shareholders 
dividends no matter what the market condition was. That is what we call as blue chip companies. So that means what? No matter what the outcome of the, I mean, no matter what the, the, the condition of the market is, you can know that this company is going to always function in a particular way. That is what we call as predictability. That was so good in his characteristics, in his, in his fundamentals, if you will. So no matter what is going on, he will always function in a particular manner and he will not surprise you. He will give you a heart attack. In fact, he will surprise you with greater dividends. So you can predict it. So I'll tell you something. Christian life is not random. It is deterministic. It is not random. I can see the decisions that you make today, the condition of your spiritual life today, and if you continue in this in this trajectory, I can exactly tell you where you, where you will end. Because there is predictability in Christian work. So what what does what does Christian life obedience bring? It brings about three things. It brings about consistency. It brings about robustness, and it brings about predictability. So what happens when you are predictable? God can entrust you. Remember what it says in John's Gospel chapter 2? Jesus could not entrust himself. Huh. Why? <laughs> Understand? So let us look at the first one. How does obedience bring about consistency, robustness, and predictability? How does it happen? Let's see from the scriptures because let man be a liar and God be always true. So we have to go back to the word of God. Let's see. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. <clears throat> Very simple words, verses which you already know 2,500 times you would have seen it. But slightly, some tweakings I will do today so that you will see it in a different light today. Okay. <clears throat> Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and... Ah, so you see that? No, look at this. What comes by hearing? Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing and if that is genuine faith, how is faith made complete? By action, that is what we call as doing. Okay, so and does them. He hears the word and he does them. I will liken him to a man who built his house, a wise man who built his house on the rock. So rock stands for stability. Understand that. Hmm? And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew. Three things. What came? The rain came, and the floods came, and the winds came. Three things came. Okay. What came? Rains came. So let me tell you something. What is rain in the Bible? Most of the times, if you look at the, the, the translations in the Bible, most of the time, rain is, con- is, is, is connected with the prosperity or blessing. So now now you need to understand, if rain is connected with prosperity and blessing, what are floods connected with? Okay, no, it's very interesting. If you look at the word, the Greek word, the Greek word for flood in this particular word, in this particular verse, the Greek word from which the word comes is, the the Greek word is potmos, P-O-T-M-A-S. Now, when I say potmos, 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 excuse me? Hippopotamus, kya baat hai? A for the day for, oh, that's exactly what it is. You know what the word hippopotamus means? Hippo, horse, potamus means of the river. Okay? 
You see this a lot? Hippo. Okay. Abigail said, Daddy, don't use my examples, okay? But for the first time when I took Abigail to the zoo, I took her to the hippo. Okay. She saw the hippo from about like 10 meters away maybe, maximum. That fellow stank. And her face changed. And she started crying. Later I realized one of the mating rituals of hippopotamuses, how they attract the opposite gender, is by pooping. So they have to smell. No, but, so that is just, that is only the biology class. Now we are going to, going to go to the zoology today. Because Zoe, we need life, not biology, right? So whenever you look at the hippopotamus, what attracts your attention? What are you drawn towards? The size of its mouth. Ah. He's got a big mouth, man. So, the first test, the first test to see if you are your, whether your life is stable or not is what we call as the blessing test or the prosperity test. Will you be a hippopotamus? You will and grow. Or will you obey God in knowing why the Lord gave you that blessing? The greatest test for every believer, I believe, to, but to the best of my knowledge, is what we call as the success test. The success test. When the rains come and pot muscles increase, that, that's exactly the Greek word. You know what the Greek word actually says? When you are getting drunken, that's what floods mean. The blessings have come and what, are the, what have you used the blessings for? To grow fat. Fatness where? Hopefully in the, in the soul. If you want to know flat, fatness in the soul, look at how one man of God, he actually, you know, prospers rather the, 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 he passes, if you will, the blessing test. Job chapter one and verse one onwards. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. You know, the, the, the word for Job is very interesting. You know what the Job means? The word Job means the one who is hated by the world. And by the powers of darkness. Okay. And that man was what? Blameless, upright, and the one who feared Lord and shunned evil. Four things are mentioned. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Now what is happening? Life is full of rain and floods. I'll tell you what flood, what, how that flooding is being experienced in their lives. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep. Kya baat hai? 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys and a very large household so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the earth. You know what we call as G-O-A-T, goat, greatest of all time. But he was not goat, hmm? he was lamb. Look at how he dealt with his life. But See, he was enjoying, I mean he was prosperous but his children also got the blessing. So what did their children do? And his sons would go and feast. What are they doing? Potamus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They are beginning what? Hippopotamus. Nah? Each one on his appointed. There was a calendar of feasting. Okay. So they would make a calendar. How many sons? Four sons. Macha? Four weeks in a month. Okay. So sometimes five, five sons also. Okay. So we will arrange the calendar this way. This, this day you, this day you, this day you, this day you. Now we will not all cook the same food and the same animals. We've got different, different kinds of animals. I know your expertise is in, uh, what is that? 
Yeah, chicken. Yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, you make this, you make this, you make this. They decided the menu and they decided the dates. And they would fast and enjoy life like Potmos. You know, there was a, there was, uh, <laughs> uh, hippopotamus is always happy. Mm-hmm. You know, Abigail's class with the university teaching the children. I like the, the, the their uh, no, rhymes. Rhymes, yeah. Humphrey the happy hippopotamus. That's the name of Humphrey. Ham, Humphrey the happy hippopotamus waved as he rode the hippopotamus. That's his enjoy. His life is full of sunshine only. Hmm? It's very, and if, if somebody steals his food, you know what he does, right? So, send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink and enjoy life. Then you know what happens? So it was when the days of feasting because they have to eat and digest and if you look at Artex Xerxes, 180 days of feasting. 365 days, man. Half of the year only feasting. Six months of feasting only. In that one of the one of the days he calls Vashti also to show off. <laughs> Vashti says, sorry, take it easy. And when the days of feasting had run their course, they had a course, okay. <laughs> the calendar of the feasting days are over. Look at what it says. Job would send and sanctify them. And he would good what? Rise early in the mornings and offer what? Bond offerings. You see, let me tell you something. You know, when people come to me, I was telling Samir also. They say, you know, Pastor, I'm going to this country. Uh, can you t- tell us, suggest a church which I, where I have to go to? You see, one of the things I'll say, I'll, just give me some time. Which place are you going to? So let me just go and browse. You know, generally all of them have websites these days and they have sermons on their, on their websites. So I just go there and browse the websites and I look at sort of some, some of the sermons that they are listening, I mean, that are, pre- that are being preached on the pulpit. And one of the things that I've seen, a genuine church is a church which preaches the cross. Okay. Preaches the cross. I'll tell you something, which, why is this important? Because, you know, cross is not an idea. I cannot just say, you know, this is the cross, obey. Cross is a life and you can never articulate the cross until and unless it is an experience. Because it's not here in the head, it is in your life. Cross is a lifestyle. That is the reason that the, the Bible says, I mean, uh, Paul says in, in Philippians chapter 3, he says, these people are the enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. Why are they enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ? Because their God is their belly. Their God is their belly. Their hippopotamus. Their God is their belly. And the glory is in their shame. And their end is destruction. So it's remarkable. So why are they? They are the enemies of the cross. That is the reason why, you know what Paul says, having food and clothing, let us be content. Now look at this, what kind of food and clothing? What food and what clothing? You know, it's talked about John the Baptist, that he had camel's hair and leather belt. That is clothing. What is food? Locusts and wild honey, not dabar honey. Dabar honey is purified. Wild honey is not easy to drink. Locusts and wild honey. You know what the Bible says about John the Baptist? What did you go into the wilderness to see? 
What is that? A reed shaken by the wind? No. You see a man who is stable? You see a man who is consistent? You see a man who is robust? You see a man who can never be influenced by anything of this society? A man could not be, who cannot be easily shaken by the wind? A man who has learned to overcome his belly. A man who's learned to overcome his senses and his lusts and his passions and his desires. And he says, you know what? All these people who wear designer clothing, they are in king's palaces and they eat sumptuously at their tables. But what did you go into the wilderness to see? A man who can be easily shaken. Have you seen a man who's stable? A man who's stable? John the Baptist? Stable. You know why? He overcame this. If you overcome this, my dear brothers and sisters, you will, you know, pastor was talking about overcoming fear. How can you overcome fear? One of the practical ways you can overcome fear by knowing that you don't need much to live. And you know that you can live a simple life. And even if God blesses you, you will not become a hippopotamus and consume it. Consume it. <laughs> he would rise early in the morning and offer what? Burnt offerings. You know, last Sunday, Peter was leading worship. Why? You see, oh, one of my greatest um, worship was also fantastic. I mean, last Sunday's worship was, when he was, uh, I was there, you know, generally I go there because I just want to enjoy, right? Because if I come here, I'll obstruct the camera and I'll get there, draw the attraction to myself so I don't want to attract, not to, not to distract. So I go there. So the song that he was, he picked up, one of the songs that he picked was, Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. You see, you, we sang this, sing those songs quite often. But you know, that, that day, Sunday morning, on last Sunday morning, I was, I was going through my daily readings and I was going through the, going through Second Chronicles chapter seven. And when I was reading the seventh, uh, after Solomon finishes his prayer, his, uh, chapter six is, 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 is his prayer. And Second Corinthians chapter seven is the response of God. But before God responds, something happens. You know what happens? Let's see. Second Chronicles chapter seven. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the what? The burnt offerings and sacrifices. Look at what it says. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple and the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord that had filled the temple. And how did the priest respond? They started singing. You know what they sang? When all the children of Israel saw the fire came down and what did the fire do? The fire did, you know what, it, what the fire did? It consumed the no, offerings. Who should have the fire consumed? Me. You should have consumed me. Because the holiness of God, if I go into the midst of the holiness of God, and if I see that the, 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 the righteousness of God and the purity of God, even though the, even the prophet who was one of the most pure prophets and the most righteous prophets, when he goes and he says, Lord, I'm what? Undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. You know what they say? They bowed their faces to the ground and and uh, the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord saying what? For he is good. Lord, you are merciful Lord. You should have consumed me. But you know what has happened? You consumed the sacrifice instead of consuming consuming me. And they said, you know what? You are good. 
and your mercy endures forever. You know something? When he started singing that song, the Holy Spirit just brought that verse back into my mind and you know, just anointing came and I started dancing over there. It's amazing. I mean, how the Lord connects the, the worship and when you, when you are prepared, when you come to the house of God prepared, He speaks to you through even the worship, my dear brothers and sisters. Believe that. So what does, what did Job do? He offered what? Sacrifices. Why was Job offering sacrifices? Let us see. And he would rise early in the morning and offer what? Burnt offerings and sacrifices according to the number. Seven fellows you come, each fellow. I don't know how many burnt offerings. You. Hmm, I know you. More for you. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God. Where? In their hearts. You know what? The first book which is written in the Bible, chronological order, is the book of Job. You know what is what he's talking about? He's talking about not external sin. He's talking about the sin of the heart because sin starts here. And so what did Job do? He did this regularly. That is the reason why his life, life was stable. There was stability in his life. Even though the storms hit him, he still was stable. You know, we, uh, we've been doing, reading our uh, devotions one day at a time. Sweet Jesus. That has become a, part, become a part of our family devotions now. Every time we read it, every, I mean, if you, if you would have gone through the devotions, you would know that every time, every devotion is troubles will come, trials will come. Have you seen any of the devotions without troubles and trials? Today is what? Uh, today is the 13th of February. I mean, till yesterday. Troubles and trials will come, will come, will come, will come. It's a constant refrain. I mean, so, so, so what it, what it tells me is this. For consistently for 14 years, what have we been warned, warned about? What have we been warned about? We've been warned about troubled times will come, testing times will come, ensure that your lives are what? Stable. And what brings stability? Obedience. Consistently. And he would rise early. Look at that. Early in the morning. Early in the morning. See? I mean, nowadays we have messed up our time schedules because of our, because of our uh, ID jobs. But, early in the morning. Lab creatures, our lab, our time starts at 11 o'clock in the afternoon, in the morning. Because you are working at till 3 in the morning, till 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning in the labs. Honestly, you know. <laughs> <laughs> seven years, eight years in the in the lab destroyed my sleep timing completely. <laughs> and I sleep at odd hours, ODD. Okay. So 11 in the morning, I can just fall asleep. Because lab, 2.30 in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, coding, I don't know what. Hmm? So those who enter into the lab, See, I'll tell you something. There, there is, there is, there is also people who have, who don't have to be like me. Okay, they have, I, I've seen uh, Christian professors who have consistent timings even for the lab. You know, we are like we are very proud. Actually, we take pride in our what is a disorder. Okay, honestly, they say you no. Know, the messier the table, the more intelligent you are. That is what. Our, our psychology, psychology was. So basically we would make every effort to make our table a mess. And our board a mess. Oh, equations all over the place. Oh, bo, intelligent. 
Disorder. You take pride in our disorder. <laughs> you should come to my professor's home. If you can want to call it a home. My goodness, books all over the place. You know, there was a guy called Andrew Wiles. How many of you have heard of the, heard the name Andrew Wiles? No. He, he, he solved Fermat's last theorem. You know what he did to his home? His home was full of post-its. Post-it, 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 post-it. Full equation, 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 equation. If you go into the la- into his home, full of post-its. Post-its. Honestly, it messed up. Why? Hey, because research is a non-linear process. We should get inspiration and we don't know when we'll get it. So, let us be disorderly. (laughs) That is our psychology. Unbelievable, okay, so this is, these are things which we did when we were in the world, but you know something which I've understood over a period of time after I come back, especially when I come to the ministry, one of the things that you have to learn to be is to be, le- learn to be consistent, you cannot come at any time and go at any end, no, 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 it doesn't have, it doesn't work with, that way with God. Okay. Okay. We are, we are creative people. So creative people is what? Inspiration comes, we don't know when. Understand this. See, another guy who passed the success test. Give you that example. Genesis chapter 39. Now Joseph Joseph had been, I like that. What is that? He had been taken down. He didn't go down. He was taken down. Okay, so there's a difference, right? Had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Who took him down? The Ishmaelites took him down, okay? The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. I like that. The Lord was with Joseph. He was a successful man. He was in his master's house. Okay. So, and look at what it says. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, He was in his master's and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he had did to what? Prosper in his hand. Prosperity, 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 prosperity. It's like Isaac, no? Isaac was prosperous and more prosperous and went on becoming more and more prosperous. And what happened suddenly? The Egypt, the Philistines started envying him. And then when he went away from them, he started becoming more and more prosperous. prosperous. But nothing was touching him, right? And then what happened? So Joseph found favor in the sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house. So what was, what was his master's looking? Look at, look at this guy. He is in my, uh, home. Young guy. Young guy. Very diligent. Very disciplined. I can entrust money, money into his hands. I look at the way he be- behaves with his, with the other co-workers, especially according to me, his the 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 workers about of the opposite gender i'm looking at his life i look at the way he behaves with the opposite gender i look at the way he handles money i look at the way he handles time i look at the way he handles the things that i have given into his hands i'm looking at him what is his life it's what what we call as consistent every area the money money life is consistent the way he's handling the authority is consistent the way he handles time is consistent the way he handles huh, opposite gender relationships is consistent everything is consistent 
That is the reason why he says, this man, the Lord is with him. His God is with him. Remember, when uh, Elisha goes to the Shunammite woman's home, he often passes by that home, and you know what she says? I perceive that this is her. How? How did one one lady perceive that this guy who is coming and passing by her home is a man of God? He didn't do one Bible study. You know what? The way he ate. She would often feed him. The way he ate. My God, this guy. The way he eats. Man of God. The way he behaves himself with me. A woman on opposite gender. Man of God. Consistent. See, one of the things that I often look for when I'm in, I mean, if I have to become friends or if I want to make somebody my acquaintance, I look at two aspects. One thing, how he behaves with money and how he behaves with the opposite gender. Man, a girl or a boy. Doesn't matter. It's very important for me. I've seen flirtatious people on both sides. Flirtatious. So be very careful. So I, I, I've seen that. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not ju- making a judgment. I'm saying that this is important to God. And how did a man, how did this guy come to know that the Lord was with him? The way he conducted his work, his relationships, the way he handled money, the way he handled time, the way he handled the resources. Boy, this guy, the Lord is with him. And all he had, he put him under his authority, meaning he can be trusted with authority. He will not even abuse his office. I know it. Because I see the consistency in his life. So it was from the time. Why? Why am I saying this? Joseph is a man, an example of obedience. A man who was always available. Obedient. We're talking about the blessings of obedience, right? So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had. Now he has entrusted the entire household. He had entrusted him with authority. What happens? The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. My goodness, so many times the word blessing, 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 blessing just keeps on coming. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand and he did not know what he had except for the bread that which he ate, meaning he completely trusted Joseph. He earned the trust of his master completely. That is what we call as consistency. Completely. Now look at this. Something is added over here. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Now let me tell you something. It is not wrong to be handsome. And I mean, this is not a... It's not wrong, meaning what to to desire to have beauty is not a bad thing. But you know what the Bible says? Beauty is deceptive. Charm is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord, she should be greatly desired. Let me tell you something. What you see beauty in in the sensory world, what is its equivalent in the spiritual realm? Can you tell me? Excuse me? Beauty in the physical world has an equivalent holiness. Yes. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So what attracts God is what we call as the beauty of holiness. Now look at this. God, he says, is a high and lofty one. Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15. High and lofty one. He dwells in eternity and he also dwells among a person who is of a humble and a contrite heart and the person who trembles at his word. 
humble, contrite, tremble person. So that with that person, the whole, in other words, what attracts the holiness of God in the physical is humility. Humility. That is the reason why it says in First Peter chapter 5, clothe yourselves with humility. There's a Telugu translation, very interesting. It says, decorate yourself with garments of humility so that you will be attractive to God. So what attracts God is holiness and humility. You see, obviously, no. what attracts you? A person who is snobbish, who is proud, who is arrogant. Do you want to become his friend? No. Why do people like Rafa? Okay, that fellow has to come, no? Why do you like him? One of the reasons why I like that guy is, boy, I mean, honestly, he's down to earth. Honestly, I mean, one of the most down to earth tennis players I've seen in a long time. I mean, 21 grand slams and hopefully more counting, okay? And he's going to become the goat, the greatest of all time. Okay. I speak that into his life. <laughs> okay. So, honestly, when I see Rafa play, I play with him vicariously. Every backhand and every forehand I'm playing. So I don't watch the match, I watch the highlights. And even in the highlights, even after I know that he won, I'm still playing. So why does he, why do we, why do we get attracted to Rafa? Let me tell you something, no? If you've seen the Australian Open final, 15,000 people in the stands. 99.99% except for the 0.1% Russians who were there in the, <laughs> in the, in the audience. You know who, whom they were supporting? Rafa. Rafa. You know why people actually relate with Rafa? Because that guy is a symbol of humility, hard work and discipline. And you know what? He gives hope for a lot of young people. If I'm humble, if I'm hardworking, and I'm disciplined, I can be as successful as Rafa. Twenty, I mean, he played for almost like 20 years tennis. Okay, 20 years he played tennis. He never fired a coach. Because in tennis, you, you appoint coaches yourself because you're the boss. In fact, his uncle said, you know what, I'm so tired of you, please relieve me now. I'm, I've been traveling for you, with you for 17 years, and every time in the match, I'm getting heart attacks watching your match. Now, it's, it's time for me to retire. Please find somebody else to replace me. So he replaced him, uh, him, him with Carlos Moya. Carlos Moya is another Moyarkan, he's another guy who's, uh, who's his, uh, who's actually his neighbor. You know what, for six years he traveled with Rafa, before he could actually become his permanent boss or his coach. Six years. He never ever changed his team. Same physical trainer. Same uh, fitness trainer. Same coach. Same bench. Same girlfriend. Okay, we'll just leave that girlfriend aside, but <sighs> have you seen uh, football stars? How they change Ronaldo, I, I look at him, I say, boy, I can never stand that fellow. Doesn't, doesn't matter how talented he is, how, how hard working he is, that guy, I can't stand him. I just can't stand him. I, he, he breathes and spews arrogance. I can't stand him. Another person I can't stand is Joko. And the last in order is Federal. <clears throat> So, the, and when I look at Rafa, this guy, boy, consistency. 
You know, if that guy was a believer, that's what you know, Art Katz makes a powerful statement. He says, if Muhammad Ali was a believer, <laughs> he would give his all. He would make a, make a fantastic believer. That was besides the point. So, form and appearance. What is beauty? Beauty in the physical is holiness and humility in the spiritual. That is the reason why it says, let not your adorning be of the outward. Let it be the hidden person of the heart, the imperishable beauty of a meek, gentle and a quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is what? Very precious. Attracts God towards you. So, he was handsome. But the problem is, Madam was getting attracted to him. And it came to pass after these things, that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, we know those verses. He says, the master has committed everything to my hands. There is no one greater than I. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Let me tell you something. There is rain. There is flood, which is prosperity. Rain is blessing. There's prosperity and success. And then what comes? The third thing is the wind of spiritual force of attacking, trying to, trying to make you fall. The temptations in the, in the, in the form of Potiphar's wife. The wind comes towards you now. Temptation comes towards you. Wind is coming towards you now. In the form of temptations. Satan cannot stand this now. He has to tempt you. Will you stand? Will you stand? Will you stand this wind? It is coming now. How strong are your convictions, Joseph? Can you be robust? Can you be stable? Can you be predictable now? Can I say, Joseph is not going to fall now? You see, what came? The wind came, the, flood, the water came. The floods came, prosperity came, and now comes the wind. The forces of the evil one. The attractions through the flesh. Trying to, to stymie, if you will, the work of God in your life. So it was, as she spoke to Joseph, day by day, this guy, you know what, what it means? Consistent, you see, consistent, day by day, same attraction, I am not going to budge, I am going to overcome. You know why? It started with obedience. Joseph, Joseph, here am I. What does obedience bring? Stability, consistency, predictability. He refused. And you know what happens? Remember, she tries to attract him. Now she takes off his coat. And you know, something is very interesting. The Holy Spirit, the way the master Potiphar responds to the accusation of the woman is very interesting. Look at her. Look at what it says. So it was. Now this she's making an accusation against, against Joseph because he refused. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him saying, your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was against whom? It says he was the Lord. She does, the, the, the Bible doesn't say he was ang, his anger was aroused against Joseph. The Bible doesn't say. The Bible doesn't say. 
Who was he angry with then? Hey, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Joseph, I've seen this guy. The way he handles money, the way he handles time, the way he handles, behaves with the opposite gender servants in the in the software company and in, and in the class. He's not flirtatious. He doesn't say, I'm available. No, 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 no. I've seen this guy. I've seen this guy. He doesn't give, him, give himself easily over to anybody. But he's a generous, gentle, hard-working guy. And you are saying that this guy did this. Ha, ha, hello, 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 hello. If he was really angry with Joseph, you know what he would have done? He would have killed him. You know why? Look at, look at what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 6 verses 34, 34, 34 and 35. For jealousy arouses a husband's fury. And he will not show mercy when he takes revenge. And you know what? If you have brought, if you have outraged the modesty of this woman and you have taken her to bed and you have forced her to get, boy, you deserve death. He will not accept any compensation. He will refuse a bribe, however great it is. You cannot please him. He will kill you, man. He will kill you. His anger was aroused. And not against Joseph. Not against Joseph. Let me tell you something, my dear brothers and sisters. Are you predictable that way? What a challenge for a man who in the, in the old covenant who lives, who was living in the time of conscience, not even the law. My dear brothers, how do we behave? I'm not saying we should not be friendly. <laughs> you should not talk gently. Say something called a chivalry for a man. Like pastor was telling Abigail some time back, no? When I brought her to the church office. Abigail, you have to grow up to be a lady. I like that. You have to grow up to be a lady. Because there are ladies and there are not men. <laughs> gentlemen. Nowadays, of course, we don't have ladies. Neither do we have, do, we have, do we have ladies nor gentlemen. We have people dress, dressing themselves in what knows, God knows what kind of costume. What is that uh, style, Baba? Carrot style. Carrot fitting. Carrot, carrot fitting. Carrot fitting. That means, you know what? They're dangling a carrot. Available. Era, Westerner. Era, era, era. That is the reason why it says, you know what? Every man is drawn away by his own desires when he is enticed. He's drawn. And what does it tell about, tell about Joseph? A man who's obedient. Let me tell you, a man who's obedient, he's consistent, my dear brothers and sisters. If you want to have a consistent lifestyle, when I can tell you, and you know, people can tell about me, my challenge for me too, I'm including myself. Vijay, I know how the way he handles money. I know the way he handles time. I know the way he handles the opposite gender. I know the way he handles his wife, uh, the, 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 the people in his family. I know the way he handles the people in the church. I know. I know. And you're saying this about him? Huh. That is the reason why the Bible says in First Timothy chapter, Second Timothy, be careful not to entertain accusations against an elder except what? In the 
presence of two or three credible witnesses, not sons of Belial, who cannot be trusted themselves. Otherwise, if you bring slander against a man of God, read Psalm 109. Let me tell you something. What is the law? According to you, when you read the Bible, what is the law? Can you tell me what is the law? Excuse me? Huh? You'll say one, well, no, no, what is the law? You'll say Genesis, Leviticus, Exodus, number. I'm sorry, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. This is the law. What is the Psalms? Is it the law? Aha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Go to John's Gospel chapter 10 if you don't, if you don't have to turn there, do a homework, okay? When Jesus says, does it not say in your scriptures that they are God? And the law says that they are God. So now what, where, where is he quoting from? From Psalms. So what is Psalm? Law? Now you read the Psalms with that kind of a mindset. And you will see spiritual laws established in the spiritual realm. And so many children of God, they are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. They do not know that there are spiritual laws working against them because they get, they bring slander against the man of God. And if you bring slander against the man of God, there are A to Z promises which are against you. How many? 26. I, I actually numbered them in my Bible. Prophecy number A, if you slander a man of God, B, C. And I was going on. I said, when is it going to end? Actually, I started numbering 1, 2, 3, 4. And it was doing, going on and on and on and on and on. I said, okay, let me do 1, 2, 3. Instead of doing 1, 2, 3, 4, let me write alphabetically. A, B, C, D. I went to all the way to C. There are 26 laws minimally, which will work against you if you slander a man of God. How many? 26. Okay, that is sufficient to scare you. Okay. It's good. In the fear of the Lord, <laughs> there is strong confidence. <laughs> now your confidence is gone. No, 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 no. There is actually strong confidence. Jealousy. This man is consistent. Look at another. This, let us look at new covenant examples of how people passed the prosperity test or a success test because of obedience. Because Jesus learned obedience through the things that he what? Suffered, right? He learned obedience. Now, when prosperity and fame and everything comes into his way, what does he do? John's Gospel chapter 6, we know this verses very well. Verse 13 onwards. Therefore, they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, they said, wow, great man of God. Truly, this is the prophet that Moses prophesied in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 8. This is the prophet. You know what Jesus did immediately? Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him what? King. <laughs> he ran. He sent his disciples. He ran to the mountain. Another example. Acts chapter 14. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. So, what comes first? The hearing of the word and then after that comes faith. Right? That's the order. 
to be healed so that with a loud voice, stand up, um, so he said with a loud voice to that fellow, stand up straight on your feet and he leaped and walked. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying in the Laconian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Okay, what is that? This is what is your, pastor, today you are, and Barnabas they called Zeus. In other translations, Jupiter. And Paul, he called them Hermes. Because he was the chief speaker. Kya baat hai? Titles also given. Honorary doctorates also given. I don't understand honorary doctorates. Okay. Doctorate? Honorary. That fellow never worked for it, right? Okay. Anyways. Honorary doctorates of men. Hmm? Zeus. And you know what Paul and, and uh, Barnabas did? Look at what this says. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of the city, brought oxen. Fellow comes and now he wants to <laughs> offer burnt offerings also. Remember? NTR, those days. NTR Amaro. Because he played the character of Krishna, everybody thinks, thought he was a god. And you know what they used to do? They used to come and fall on his face. Just because you can do this, 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 and this, and with all sound effects, bush, 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 bush. Yeah, exactly. And some interesting Rajnikan jokes. <laughs> the word impossible is not in his dictionary, Anta. What, what crazy fellows we are, actually. God. Who are you, Sachin? God of cricket. Poor fellow. You should ask. Pranithi will tell you nice stories about the God of cricket. <laughs> and about the God of cricket, something interesting you'll find out. You'll say, this is God? Yeah, God. You know what they did? They tore their clothes. You know what they say? But when the apostles Barnabas, I like that. So that means Barnabas is also Apostle, okay. There's just not 12 apostles, Baba. There are Barnabas and Paul is also an apostle. Okay. That is besides the point now. And Paul heard this. They tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of the same. The word for same nature. We are also men of like passions. The same word. Elijah was a man of like Same word. And preach to you that you should turn from this what? Useless things, Baba. Useless. I think one man of God, I don't remember who, who it was, when he finished preaching from the pulpit, he came downstairs and one lady came and said, Pastor, that was a fantastic sermon. You know what he immediately said? Yes, just now Satan whispered the same thing in my ear. Just now he whispered, fantastic sermon. No, one of the things, over a period of time, after, initially I was like that, you know, I wanted people to, you should, you should be, you give positive, I'm not against feedback, no. Appreciation, full tension only for me now. Appreciation, full tension. Because you do not know what it is to come behind the pulpit. You have no idea. You have no idea. You are useless things. You know, that is called the, the demon called Python. What is Python demon? What you should do with Python demon? 
you are cast it out. What does the Python demon do? I'll look at what it says. No. Now it happened as they went went to prayer that a certain slave woman, slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination. Actually, the word for spirit of divination is spirit of a python. What is it? Python, python. You know python, no? Now what does it do? Swirls and squeezes slowly. You are very good. One squeeze. Very, very, very good. Second squeeze. You are extremely fantastic. You are the greatest of all preachers gone. Good. So what are you supposed to do with the python demon? What is he telling? Oh, this girl followed Paul and said, these men are the fantastic men of, men of God. Hare Baba, they immediately Paul recognized this demon. Python demon, get out. Don't praise me. This praising demon, get out. So what do people do now? They bring python demons on the stage. Tell how fantastically this ministry has helped you. Give testimony. Oh yes, pastor, this pastor prayed, the anointed man of God. And what are you doing? You're glorifying Python instead of casting him out. Python demon. What is that? To make you a hippopotamus. I'll tell you, the most difficult test is a hippopotamus test. After that, you want them to praise you only. What is that? You only. Especially the girls. The men said, ah, that was a good job, David. Fantastic job. Good. Excellent. Uh, Jonathan says, okay, Job, David, you did a fantastic job. Here's my sword. Here's my, uh, here's my shield, everything. Your friends. Great. Saul saw that. Great. Fantastic. And suddenly, the girls started singing. Saul slays his thousands, David is ten thousands. Who is that? Oh, the girls. The girls, the girls. He's got a female following now. You know, one, one cameraman is laughing at me because he knows exactly what I'm saying. They say, if you want to be a good hero and you ought to be a best hero, you should have a lot of what following, bro? Female following. Arjun Reddy. Note Gaddi. Hmm. <laughs> what is that fellow? Drunkard? Drug addict? Fornicator? Glorified demon. Let me tell you something. A python demon. That's the reason I'm saying. You have rain, you have floods, and the wind comes now in the form of praise and adoration and glory. That is the reason why, you know what Jesus says, what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. That is the reason why every time he does a miracle, he says, don't say this to anybody. Hey, you, we know who you are, the son of the most high God. Shh, shut up please and get out. Out. You praising demons, get out. You unclean spirits, anyways you are deceiving spirits. Why should I get a testimony from a deceiving spirit? I mean, can you imagine? What are you? Deceiving spirit. What do you lie? Give me a testimony. Come on. Reference letter from a, from a liar. 
What kind of a stupidity is that? Shut your mouth. So, the wind is dangerous. So what do they do? They tear their clothes. Paul greatly annoyed. You know what? This Paul man, see this is what, when Paul says, no, I am crucified with Christ. By the cross of Jesus Christ, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. This is what he means. Annoyed. Annoyed immediately. Distressed, it says in other translations. Annoyed. And he said, in the, I command you in the name of Jesus, get out, you praising demon. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 6. For the commandment is a lamp. The law is a light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. To keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman, lust not after her beauty. Where? In your heart, my dear brothers. In your heart. But everyone, that is the reason why it says, but everyone who hears these saying of mine and does not do it, what happens? The rains will come, the floods will come, and the demons will come. And when the praise and all these comes and get, enters into your head, what will happen to you? You will fall like one great man of God. It happened in the spring of the year. At the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants. That's it, you know it. Finished over. After that, you'll never, the entire history will change after that. I mean, you, you read 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. After finishing that, if you don't get depressed, I will give you 2,500 rupees. That's all I can give you, okay? No. <laughs> if you don't get depressed. Every fellow disappoints you at some point or the other. Uzziah, pa, 52 years you could you could hold for 52 years. And suddenly what came? Finished. You see, that is the reason why he tells Gehazi, 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 where did you go, Gehazi? Where did you go? Your servant has not gone anywhere. Gehazi, Gehazi, did not my spirit go with you? I know you follow. Is it the time, Gehazi, for you? Is this the time? Do you know where that fellow made his money? Do you think it is all kosher? Do you know that it is an accursed thing? You, do you know why that leprosy actually came to him? Notwithstanding all the success that he enjoyed in his life. My dear brothers, the python demon. It's a wind, my dear brothers, in the last days. Because you know why? There are many people who are young and rich in these last days, especially our generation. By the time they graduate from with a B.Tech in, from, from the, one of the premier institutions in the country, what is their salary? 1.5 crore per annum. 1.5 crore per annum? Can you handle it? You have character? Understand this. Look at another hippopotamus. First Kings chapter 4, verse 22 and 28. 
what do you remember about this guy what do young people remember about uh, solomon let me tell you now solomon's provision for one day was 30 cores of fine flour 60 cores of meal we don't even know what those measures are king size okay 10 fatted oxen 20 oxen from the pastures are fatted oxen you need from the pastures also okay 100 sheep deer Gazelles, rupaks, fatted fall. You know, in other words, it was virtually a national forest there on his table. So what do the young people remember about Solomon? You know what the young people remember about the Solomon? Bah, this guy, hippopotamus of the first order. What do they remember about Solomon? His waistline. It is not even Rehoboam. Who, who remembers of what, you know, Rehoboam goes and asks for, asks his young people. You know what they say about his dad? Then young men who had grown up with him spoke and saying, thus you should speak to these people who have spoken to you saying, your father made your yoke, our yoke easy, uh, our yoke heavy, but you should make it lighter. Then you should say to them, my little finger shall be thicker than my father's waistline. Are hippo, your father re. Your dad has so much of money. That's what they remember about Solomon's, uh, Rehoboam's dad. Of course, Rehoboam very carefully doesn't use it. If you go and, <laughs> oh, no, no, why are you talking about dad, my dad's waistline? Okay, okay, fine. <laughs> he doesn't use it, okay? Hippopotamus. So, the first test is the prosperity test. And you know what obedience does in the little things? It makes you pass the prosperity test, which I think is the most difficult test for believers. For generally men and women in general, you are successful. If you are very, very intelligent and you are very successful, you have to be very careful. Because you know what is there inside of you? You do not even know that pride is there inside of your heart. You don't even know it. It's like you are like one what entitlement mentality. Everything should work well for me. That's it. Today, I went to school. How? In the auto. Auto? Oh, Mercedes went to auto? Privilege class. Okay, understand. So where does it start? Where does it start? You know what happened to John the Baptist? He was sent into the wilderness. For how many years? For several years. He was hidden in the wilderness. What it got to his, do to his own son? Was he born in a palace? Or was he born in a manger? What, was he born in a rich family? Or was he born in a poor family? He had to know. He had to learn obedience to the things that he suffered, my dear brothers. So that you would begin to value things. So this year, God is telling all of us in different ways, don't become hippo. Fast. Fast. Let not people talk about your waste. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about spiritually. If you have, if you have body issues, I mean, I'm not talking about, I'm not making fun of anybody, okay? Just don't misunderstand me. I'm not looking down upon fat people. No, no, no. Nowadays people just get, get upset about anything. Understand this. Another one. The next test. We're talking about digging deep. 
Okay, we are talking about laying the foundation, obedience, which uh, is built upon a strong foundation, right? Look at what it says in another place where it talks about the same, you know, same uh, uh, kind of words which are used by Jesus, but several different uh, interesting, what do you say, uh, variations. This is Luke's Gospel, chapter 6. Matthew chapter 7, remember? The wise man who built a house on the rock and the, and the foolish fellow who built on a sand. Luke's Gospel, chapter 6. Very interesting variation over here. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. But why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them. This is obedience again. I will show you who he is like. Look at this now. Look at the description. He is like a man. He doesn't say wise man now, okay? Why? Because when you overcome sin, you're actually a wise man, okay? He is like a wise man building a house. And what is mentioned here? Who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. That is, that is an interesting twist which is given over here. And what came? Flood arose and stream beat vehemently. So, obviously wind is not lacking. This is what we call as the Adversity test. What is it? Adversity. That is a prosperity test. And adversity test. No, look at what I said in the beginning. Obedience brings three things. What does it bring? It brings consistency. It brings what? Robustness. It brings what? Stability or predictability. You know exactly what you can, what you, what, how you'll respond and what, in what situations, right? So, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it for it was founded on the rock. Now this is talking about going deep and laying the foundation because when adversity comes, what is going to be tested is your foundation. What is the foundation for us as Christians? The six. Yeah. First, repentance from dead works. That will be tested. How deep is your repentance will be tested? How radically you are changing your mind and you are going on changing your mind? That will be tested. Second, what will be tested is your faith towards God will be tested. Third, the reality of your baptism will be tested. Third, fourth, thank you so much. What will be tested is the laying on of hands, whether you come under the authority that God placed you under. That will be tested. Four things. The other things is resurrection for the dead and eternal judgment. Now this, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment is outside time. We don't know. I mean, resurrection of the dead is on the other side. We will all be resurrected, hopefully. I mean, we'll, if you are saved and you are born and born again and you are, you are in the body of Christ, you will be, so we don't be too sure about it, but okay, it's good to be sure. So you have the resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment, which is outside time. And in time, there are four things. What are the four things? First thing is your repentance. That will be tested. Second thing, your faith toward God, whether it is faith or fake, that will be tested. Third is the reality of your baptism, that will be tested. Fourth thing that will be tested is whether you will come under the authority that God has placed you under, so that God can impart what we call as spiritual power and authority to you. See, remember, remember, when, uh, I forget that, I think Jotham, who comes to Elisha, right? Jotham? What's his name? The guy, he says, my father, my father, this, uh, the chariots of Israel and the horses thereof, horsemen thereof. I forget the king. One of the kings of Israel. <clears throat> he comes to, comes to uh, Jotham, if I'm right. Jotham, I'm told, I don't, I don't think it's Jotham. Some, some name, I forget the name. So he comes to Elisha, and when he comes to Elisha, Elisha is dying, and he says, my father, my father, the, 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 the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof, and Elisha gets up, and he comes to Jotham, and you know what he says? Bring your bow, bring your arrow, and he lays his hands upon 
Jotham. And what does he do? He transmits what? The power. And what is the power given to? To overcome the enemy. Okay. Now, let me tell you something. One of the foundations is the doctrine of laying on of hands. Why? What do you need to overcome the enemy? You need power. What do you need? Power. So how does power come? Here in this very simple case, very incredible case. I mean, I, I like it because the doctrine of laying on of hands just comes so beautifully there. He lays hands upon his bow and his arrow and he says, and he says, shoot your arrow. And he says, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. And in this way, you are going to deliver Israel from their oppression. You know why the church is weak? You know why they are weak? Let me tell you something. Why many of us are weak? Because that foundation is very weak in our lives. Men and women alike. What foundation is very weak? Now what? God is going to test our foundations. He's going to test the reality of our repentance. He's going to test the reality of our faith. He's going to test the reality of our baptism. And the fourth thing is very important. Whether you will be a person who will come under authority so that he can impart spiritual power. You know, interesting, right? When uh, the centurion looks at Jesus and he says, Master, don't come to my house, but just say the word. Because I also am a man under authority. I say, come and people come. I say, go and you'll and just speak the word, Master. And you know what Jesus says? I have not found such faith. No, not in Israel. And he says, many will come from the east and west and sit at Abraham's table. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out from the, from the kingdom where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Because you know why? They don't submit to God-ordained authority. That's what Pastor was saying. You have two voices. I mean, forget my voice, okay? I'm just only a... An enabler who strengthens what comes from the pulpit. That's essentially what my calling is, at, at least at this point of time. Do you hear your pastor regularly? I'm not boasting, okay? I've been here for 14 years. I was working. I was, I was, I was doing so many things in the university. I never missed even a single meeting. I can count it on the fingers of my right hand. Not even a single meeting. Not even a single pastor's conference. When I was not even a pastor. Not even a single fasting prayer. Not even a single all-night prayer. Those, the other church which, which we used to have, we used to have all-night prayer every Friday. I used to be there for the all-night prayer and I used to go late to the class next day morning because of the all-night prayer. And I scored 80 in my final exam and I got a D. I got a D. Even though I scored 18 in my final exam, I got a D. You know why? Because in our, in our university, if you're absent for classes, they will cut off the grades. Because you are absent for so many classes, they will, one, uh, for five classes, this grade is off. So five classes, this grade is off. I lost two grades or three grades because of, because of my not attending classes, in spite of the fact that I got 80% in my final exam. I had to redo that exam. Every meeting I was there. Every meeting. I mean, I'm not, you're going to ask pastor. Would Jesus, would Vijay miss one meeting? No. Not a chance since the church started. Not a chance because I know how precious it was for me. Because I know where, where the Lord brought me from. 
cannot shake. You know, the foundations. It's a, this is a doctrine of the apostles, right? Second is what? Fellowship. Third is what? Breaking of bread. And fourth is what? Prayers. Your prayers comes in the last, not the first. You want prayers to be heard and your prayers to be answered, your prayers to be effective? Do the first three things. Let there be an impartation. Hear the voice of those people who speak into their lives. And if it is in accordance with the word of God and the spirit of God, obey it and you will see. And you will see that you are stable, you are consistent and you are robust and you are predictable. But he who heard and did not is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently. And when did it fall? Immediately. Finished. And the ruin of that house was great. The foundation is very important. So dig deep. Dig deep and say, Lord, how is my repentance today? How is my faith today? How is, how is my baptism? Do, am I really living in the reality of my baptism? Lord, how am I when it comes to submitting to authority? Four things. Even if the authority is younger. That's what Paul says. Let not anybody despise you if because you are young, but be an example to others. Because people gave a fantastic report about you. You know, I'll tell you something. There are very few Timothys in the body of Christ. Very few. Very, very few. And the challenge to all of us, Lord, make me a Timothy. Very few Elishas in the body of Christ. Very few Joshua's and Caleb's in the body of Christ. 600,000 men of war. How many? How many? Joshua and Caleb? Two. That's it. What a challenge for us. So adversity will test. How, how strong is your relationship with the Lord? Is it a covenant or is it a contract? Proverbs chapter 17 verse 17. A friend loves it. How many times? All times. And a brother is born for a time of what? Adversity. Adversity. I like Ruth, no? The Moabite woman who is despised and rejected. Look at what she says. They lifted up their voices and wept. Full emotion only. I told you, no? Emotions are useless. If they are not followed, that's what, that's what it says. Put your mouth where your money is. How do you, how do you say that? Ah, put your money where your mouth is. Thank you. Orpha kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth, what? Clung to her. And look at what it says. I love these verses over here. And you can know these verses very well. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people, my people. Your God, my God. And wherever you die, there also I will die. How many? Seven. The Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts us. You know what happens? Next verse. When she saw that she was determined, in other words, made herself strong to go with her. She stopped speaking to her. That's it. 
she passed what we call as the prosperity, sorry, the, 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 uh, the adversity test. She was steadfastly minded. Some of the translations will say, steadfastly minded. Job chapter 2, you know this verse very well, right? Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? What? Curse God, die? That's what I'm saying, no? I mean, any relationship will be tested. Your marriages will be tested, especially when you have financial crisis. That's what one great poet said. You know who your wife is? How your, what, what kind of a attitude your wife has got when, when you go through huh, adversity? Bank account is getting smaller. Understand this. Why? Because your faith has to be tested. It should be genuine. Look at what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 6. And this you rejoice, though for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith. The tested genuineness of your faith. Romans chapter 5. And not only this, but we also celebrate in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance what? Proven character. The NASB. Fantastically says that. Proven character and proven character brings about hope. Proven. Tested. Approved. When troubles come in any, any relationship, in churches it could be, in families, it could be any place. First Corinthians chapter 11 verse 19. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Approved. The New Living, New Living Translations. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you have God's approval. So that you who have God's approval will be recognized. You who have God's approval will be recognized. You have the approval of God, you will be recognized in adversity. Okay. It was adversity. That faith of Abraham was perfected. Right? Remember? Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 22. And Abraham reached out with his hand and took the knife to do what? To slaughter. But not to kill. <laughs> but the, to, to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. This is, this is obedience. Obedience. Okay. And he said, do not reach out your hand against the boy. And do not do anything to him. Look at this. I, this is powerful. For now, I know. I know. Boy, you're tested. I approve you. I know that you fear me. I know you fear me. If you heard last time, Pastor was saying, made a very interesting statement. It's like, like a knife. He said, in my congregation, there are three, maximum four, who fear God consistently. I mean, I was depressed. I went home depressed only. Because I was, I mean, I was not naming names. I was telling my wife, this person is gone, this person is gone, this person is gone. Where am I? I said, Lord, I need to go and fast and pray. What says thou? Reminding you. Do you remember that? What did you do after you heard that? Did you even talk about it? Did it come in your conversations? Hey, today, you know, pastor said something. What are the odds, probability of me being among the four? 
I honestly, I went home depressed. I don't, I don't want to ask him, okay? I'll be depressed even more so. <laughs> but let God tell about us. I know one person for sure is consistent. I know one for, I don't want a name. I think you all know. I know, I know the second person, I know the third person, but the fourth person, I don't know. Who that fourth person is? Ask. Those, those things bother you. You know where it comes from? Obedience. Obedience. You're all silent. I'm reminding you, lest you forget the things that you already heard. I was eating my wife's brain after that. Philippians chapter 4. One man who was consistent all his life. Prosperity, adversity. You know what he says? But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. That now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. You, he was being sent gifts by the Philippian church. Sorry, by the Macedonian church, if I'm right. Not that I speak in regard to need. Why? For I have, what is it? Learned. Learned. In whatever state I am, to be content. What are those states, Paul? I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be. So I know what, how, what it is to have a fantastic bank account and not have no money in my bank account. I know it. Because at both times I'm living the same. I'm not suddenly buying Mercedes Benz. And when the pastor was talking about Nano, I said, yes, Nano. Nano. You go, you drive on, on high tech city on Sundays. You know what will what you will see? Ferrari, BMW, Ferrari, Ferrari, Mercedes Benz, Ferrari, BMW, and in the middle, kya baat hai? Nano. I mean, my 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 sister-in-law used to live in Kachiboli. You know, we used to go every Sunday generally. You know, used to visit their family. My goodness, Ferrari, Ferrari, BMW. The minimum car is what is that? Toyota Endeavor Fortuner. That is the minimum. That is the base. After that, anything. And in the middle. The stable nano. Nano. <laughs> Everywhere. I learned. You know what happens after that? Makes a powerful statement. It's a challenge for all of us. John's Gospel chapter 2. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs of prosperity. Because he was doing fantastic signs. But, Jesus did not commit himself. This morning, can Jesus commit himself into your hands? Akila, can he commit himself into your hands? If we were to ask you this question. Can he? Jyoti? Can he? Can he? Because Jesus did not commit himself. Because he knew. He knew who was stable. In that he knew those people who who were predictable, who were constant, who were robust, who were consistent, who were robust, in that all kinds of adversities could come in their lives, but they stood stable through it all. That is what we call a soberity. Soberity. 
not drunken. Consistent. Robust. Uncertainty, uncertainties came. Winds came. But they were robust. They didn't change their course. Because they were sober-minded. That is the reason that Paul, Peter says in First Peter chapter 4, chapter 1, he says, Guard up the loins of your mind and be sober. Be sober. I remember I was going to Frisco again, a plane example. Whenever I think about robust, I think about the plane. And uh, it's a 14-hour flight from, from Delhi to Chicago. Long flight. Air India. Okay. Zindabad. Okay. So, there was a guy next to me. I was in the aisle seat. Aisle has three, you know, in the, in the, in the aeroplane has, aisle has, aisle has three seats, right? So, the middle seat was empty. There was a gentleman from Warangal. He was a gentleman when he started, of course. When the flight started, was a gentleman. And in the middle was an empty seat and then I was on, on the other side. We had a good conversation, no? Oh, where are you from, from Varangal? Oh, Mir Varangal Nincha. Okay, okay. Near Hyderabad Nincha. Oh, fantastic. Where are you going? I'm going to, I think he said some San, San Jose or something. I think California, San Jose. Where are you going? I'm going to San Francisco. Oh, fantastic. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Where my, I'm meet, I'm going to meet my son. He's working there. I said, oh, fantastic. Excellent. Oh, good news. No, if you go to Hyderabad and knock one door, one fellow will be in America for sure. No? So, <clears throat> so where are you going? We said, we had a good conversation. I said, nice, no? And this guy, the steward is coming. Every time the steward comes, he says, I was saying, Coke, those days soda, okay? I was having Coke. I said, Coke. He said, uh, one whiskey. I said, oh, one whiskey, maybe only one whiskey. No, in, in economy class, you don't have unlimited. Because you are in economy class, right? Only, only few drinks they will give. But this guy, every hour, he is calling the steward and giving him a tip and saying, one peg, one peg, one peg, one peg. And you know, several pigs from gentlemen, he became gentleman now. He lost his sobriety. Chicago is coming. Chicago, yes. Chicago, okay. <laughs> okay, Chicago is coming. And uh, the steward said, yeah, we will be landing very soon. We are reducing the altitude. Please fasten your seat belts. There's turbulence on the way. So I fasten the seatbelts and this guy is going crazy, you know, next to me. No, about to land. I mean, it's about like another, maybe another 15 minutes will be landing. So it's reducing the altitude is getting constantly reduced, no? So when you enter the clouds, no, that's when you experience the, the turbulence, right? So this guy suddenly stood up. And he opened the cabin baggage and he brought his cabin luggage and he put it in the aisle seat like next to me. And he looked at him and said, sir, what are you doing? He said, no, 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 no. Immigration full line. We have to rush. We have to be the first to get out of the, get out of the plane. I said, sir, first you have to get out of the plane. Uh, sir, please sit down. I'm getting scared now. This guy is not sitting. And the steward is coming, sir, please take your seat. And he said, what do you mean, please ask him to sit down? Sir, how many times should I say? Because this fellow has bribed him nice, nicely. Don't say anything. Shoop. I gave you a bribe now. All this happens in Aiden only. Okay. 
<laughs> I said, sit down. I'm, he's not sitting. You know what happened suddenly? We entered into turbulence. And when the turbulence came, that thing shook like this. And this little puppy fell onto the seat like that. And he said, steady, steady. I said, what steady? You sit down now. No, you, you laugh at that example. But let me tell you something. Many people in this world are drunk. In the kingdom they are drunk. What are they drunk with? Not If not with pleasures, with cares. Their hearts are weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the cares of this world. The Bible says, And what are they? They are in a line to get out of the plane. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Where are you running, my dear brother? Where are you running? Is your life stable? One stable house in the entire land, Abraham's land, Abraham's home, well-established, stable, godly home. And you want to run into Sodom? You want to run? Where are you running? No way. Cares. Drunkenness. They've lost their spiritual sobriety. And they are not steady anymore. They can't stand. There's no stability in their lives. What can you tell to a drunken drunken man? Can you predict what is he going to do the next step? Can you? My dear brothers and my sisters, obedience brings stability, robustness, consistency. I'm going to tell you one more thing and I'm going to stop. Had five things to say, but only said one thing. Obedience brings what? Deliverance. You want deliverance in your life. Obedience. Romans chapter 6. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? Slaves to obey. Everybody say obey. Slaves to obey. Ah, slaves to obey. You are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. And look at what it says next verse. But God be thanked. Hallelujah. I like that. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you what? Everybody said, obeyed from the heart. Say that everybody. Obeyed from the heart. What? That form of doctrine to which you have been delivered to. Meaning what? I have been delivered to the doctrine. Meaning what? The doctrine that I heard will make the decisions in my life. Not my decisions will decide the doctrine. No, 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 no. I've come under the lordship of the doctrine that I've heard. From the heart, that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And then what happens next was, 
and having been set free from sin, you have become what? Slaves of righteousness. And what brings the deliverance from sin? It is obedience from the heart. It is obedience, my dear brothers. It is obedience, obedience, obedience. Take that. Servants obey. And they obey consistently. Even if they do not see any tangible result, they keep on obeying. Because obedience brings deliverance. John's Gospel chapter 2. I like that. His mother said to the who? The servants, I like that. He didn't didn't tell the disciples, you know that, right? He told the servants because the the disciples were still not servants. They were looking at cabinet positions. One to the left, one to the right at the coming of the kingdom. What did the mother say? Whatever he says, do it. Okay. Sami, you can change the title. Okay. Whatever he says, do it. That is a, that is a title. Just do it. And you know what happens? Now they were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of the purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons of, uh, gallons apiece. You know what cleanses you and purifies you. It is the washing of the water by the word of God. Fill those gallons with word. Fill it now. Over and over again. And then what he said, Jesus said to them, fill the water with the, fill the water pots with. And what did they do? They filled it. Okay. One glass, two glass, three glass, four. No, 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 no. Up to the, saturate yourself with the word. Saturate yourself with the word. Let the word of God continuous, continuously cleanse you. And you know what happens next? And he said to them, draw out some now and give to the, Master, now tell me what something. What do they need? Wine. What is he asking them to draw? What did they ask them to fill? Is there any connection between water and wine? Only Jesus can convert water into wine. But what are you supposed to do? Obey. Obey. And when did deliverance come? We don't know when the water changed into wine. We never know. But they just obeyed. It is in the obedience. You have deliverance. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 30. So by faith the walls of Jericho fell after they encircled. What? How many days? What do you want? The strongholds to come down? Absolutely. What do you do? Here, obey. Here, obey. Here, obey. Here, obey. And one day you know that sin which overpowered you has will overpower you no more. You are completely delivered. Will not Overpower you anymore. Luke's Gospel chapter 13. As he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, there was one woman of faith. She's called the child of Abraham, my dear brothers and sisters. She's called a daughter of Abraham. She's a daughter of faith. What is she? How did faith come to come, come to her? She's been coming to the synagogue. She's been listening to some Preachers, she's just been listening to the word. The preacher may not have been have had any have had any anointing, but she had the anointing. And the Lord was teaching her, teaching her. How many years did she come to the church? How many church? How many years? Eighteen years. And one day Jesus came. After that, life changed. You know how many people give up? Consistency. Oh, one sin. That's it. One setback. You are not seen in church. 
Where are you? 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 Hello, hello, hello. Echo is coming. John's Gospel, chapter 8. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Abide. Obedience brings deliverance. So this morning we'll stand up. I've got some something else also to say, but I'm not going to go there today. Let's all stand up and stop, stop here. In the presence of the Lord, on the 13th day of February, 2022. Let's say, Lord, I'm committed to obey. We make a decision now. Committed in the little things, in the big things, and in the hmm, most difficult things. But it's tested in the beginning, in the little, little things. Especially getting up in the morning, reading your Bible, and praying consistently. May the Lord find you in that place, secret place, secret altar, every day of your lives. May the Lord find me and you, all of us. And obedience will bring stability, robustness, consistency, consistency, and predictability. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for this morning. You've been teaching us even through yesterday, morning, evening, and today morning. Lord, you've been teaching us. I pray, Father, that you'd find in us teachable people who will just not hear, but obey the little things and the big things. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. For so many times we took you for granted. If a pastor cannot give give us a reference, what about you, O Lord? Let it break our hearts that we will go into the secret closet of prayer and humble ourselves before you and seek you with all of our heart. Lord, I pray that you challenge your children this morning, all of us. We are your sons, your daughters. Thank God that you have not given up on any one of us. You are a good God. Your mercy endures forever. You could have consumed us. But you were consistent. You were consistent, Lord. That's what you said in Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. You said, I am the Lord who does not change. And therefore, you are not consumed, you sons of Jacob. Even though we are still sons of Jacob and not sons of Israel. We are still Jacob. Forever trying to contend. And not obeying. Forever trying to get the promises our own way and not your way. But you were consistent. You were stable. You were robust. You were predictable, Lord. In that you were faithful. Because you could never deny yourself. And this morning I pray. In your house. All of us. Will humble ourselves. Go into the secret closet of prayer. We'll examine our hearts. And Lord, we'll see the depth of our repentance. We'll see the depth of our faith. We'll see the depth of our baptism. We will see the the depth of our submission to authority. 
All these four we can do. Only these four in time, Lord. Resurrection of eternity and eternal judgment is in your hands. It's outside time. Those things, we cannot control those things, O Lord. Touch us this morning. Help us to be consistent. Help us to be robust. Help us to be predictable. And that you can entrust yourself to us. Challenge us this morning. Conviction fall in the hearts of your people. Draw us to the secret closet of prayer. Enable us to cry out. Until you reign righteousness. Your word says, break up the fallow ground. And sow not among thorns. And I will receive you. Grant us grace to that and we pray. Thank you, Father, for this day. Continue to minister to us, even as we go back home. Let the birds of the air not steal the word of God. Let it, fall, let it, be, let it fall on good soil, which will yield a fruit, even a hundredfold. Thank you, Father. We praise you, we worship you. We give you glory, for in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you.